Hola, I'm Dan Mullins. Welcome to a weekly podcast about the many and varied pilgrimages to the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain. This week, I'm joined by the US-based writer, blogger and photographer Rachel Rukert. Rachel wrote a blog called 20 Things We Learned About the Camino. They're not all things we necessarily like to admit. But I think it's safe to say those who have walked Caminos all experienced at least one. And if you're planning to walk, it's a snapshot of what to expect when you step foot on the way. Rachel's on the line from Boston, and I began by asking her what prompted her to walk what's described as a mythical journey. I think there's something just magical about walking, and I don't know if it's um, it gives you the time and space we don't normally have in kind of the day-to-day to think through, um, you know, what's the purpose of all this, or if it's, you know, the people you meet, which I think was maybe more of what my communal experience was, is just there's something like sacred about being human and, and relating with these individuals and growing these friendships. And so somewhere, somewhere in the, in the, I don't know, liminal space between those places, I'm just interested. You walked two years ago. How do you now look back on it? What does it mean to you? And, and how do you make sense of it in your mind now, two years later? Yeah, I think for me, it was a really important turning point in my life. It actually came at the end of a year-long honeymoon trip around the world. Um, I um, I had kind of gone through life working, you know, a million jobs, a million hours, and um, weren't worrying a lot about maybe what other people expected of me and societal's expectations of what I was supposed to be doing, but ultimately was not very happy Um and and so I took this this year long trip and um, learned a lot of things on that um, you know a lot about marriage a lot about um, you know just the cultures I was I was in but to close it out with the Camino felt really really important um, it wasn't planned um, we were just kind of looking for something meaningful to do in Europe came across it completely unprepared I walked the whole thing in sandals including in the snow. Um, oh. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it really set me up for a beautiful transition home of thinking through, um, what do I want in life? How can I kind of create this balance for myself to try to sustain happiness and believe that that's something I can achieve in my day to day routine in life as well. And so, um, I'm really grateful for that, for that stake in the ground that I still reflect back on, you know, when I feel like I lose sight of my goals, um, yeah, I know there's um, a saying that the, the true Camino begins after you leave. Yeah. And I think that that feels very true. And, and how does it align then with a Mormon upbringing and a Mormon sort of, I guess, history and culture in your life? Sure. That's also, that's also a question I'm, I'm playing with right now. I'm actually yeah. working on a project, and this is a theme that's been coming up a lot. Um, because I think, you know traditionally at least you know like the typical person there's nothing in our doctrine or anything that says you know you must stay home and you know be very happy to live you know a a life um you know with the husband and staying at home with babies like there's nothing like specific about but that is tend to you know what a lot of people choose and that's fine that's their path um where i've been traveling ever since i really could and i think i've been running away at least for me 
um, you know, settling down and marriage and all this just never really resonated with me. So it was, um, and, and, you know, just telling people, oh, I'm going to walk across the screen for a month. You know, that's that's actually pretty crazy um, <laughs> to some people, you know. And um, so, yeah, in, in some ways, um, it's, it's maybe just another manifestation of how I feel like I walk this, like, very yeah. unconventional path. Uh, and you know, meeting other people doing the same, and and so that's really fun for me. And, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and and that's the theme of your blog, which we'll get to later. DeliberateWanderer.com. Yes, yes, you've done your research. <laughs> yeah, but so, but the deliberate wanderer is the theme. Is 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 the title or the name of the blog? But it's also the theme, isn't it? Because you very much seeking to wander and discover as much as you possibly can about the world and indeed about yourself. Yeah, and I think for me it's also, you know, going a step further. I studied anthropology in college, English and anthropology, and I just, um, for me it's always, I've always gotten a lot more out of travel when I feel like I've, I've had a purpose for being there, something to do, either a research project or, you know, something long and sustainable like the Camino rather than going and stuffing my face at every top of bar I could. Well, that does sound lovely. I think like mm-hmm. that become a little meaningless after a while. Um, and so I, I do crave those experiences that I think kind of scrape below the surface and, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully you're teaching me something, but th- those are the experiences I really crave. And so, and I think, uh, yeah, I think that they're, they're the experiences that we bring back and it's that enrichment that in, it seeks and fuels our desire to continue to engage with the with the Camino after we come back. I've said many times on this podcast, you don't necessarily seek that engagement when you come back from skiing in Aspen or, or, or skiing in New Zealand. But when you come back from the Camino, it is that bit gritty kind of existence that you've lived and you've challenged yourself. And therefore, you want to keep that engagement when you come back, don't you? And, and, and you are doing that by deliberately wandering. Yes, I, I, yeah, I hope so. And I, I'm trying, I'm still ever trying to, you know, blend what that looks like, whether I'm traveling or I'm here in Boston, you know, doing my, my normal thing to, to keep that kind of sense of wonder and openness. You know, I might not be in a place where I can just sit down with strangers around a table and it's not weird anymore, but are there other ways that I can cultivate, you know, that in my life, that curiosity um, and, yeah, I need to do more walking. You know, I don't know. Well, yeah, but it's a joyous thing. It really is a joyous thing. You, oh, you, it's, oh, yeah. You, and you have that depth of understanding in a sense that can only be gained from hours and hours and hours of putting one foot in front of <laughs> yes. the other in the, some seemingly ridiculous journey across Spain. Let's get yeah. to the 20 reasons... Or the 20 okay. things we learned from the Camino, right? <laughs> yes, at least 20 selected. I'm sure there are millions. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the first one, sometimes you'll say, Buon Camino, when you're really mean, go to hell. Yes. <laughs> you say here, Buen effing Camino, to the bicyclists who zoom by and nearly clip your elbow. What is with that? Um, was that your experience? I just feel yes. like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, off on a nice walk, you know, I'm admiring something and I hear a bell and I, I almost have PTSD. I hear bells all the time in Boston and I always, <laughs> you know, dodging out of the way and, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, it became, 
became funny after a while. The group I was walking with, I don't know if you've seen the movie Finding Nemo, but there's, you know, there's a group of seagulls and they say, mine, mine, mine. Uh, and we it would say, bike, bike, um, all the time because they were, they were always there. So. That's funny. And you say also when Effing Camino in the competitive race to turn the dorm room lights on at five in the morning. How true is that? Yeah. Did you ever have any of those? Yeah, we did. We did. And unfortunately, I, once I'm awake, I, I can't sleep, so I just ended up getting up. And so by mid-morning, I was exhausted. And you would see these people power walking past you thinking, hey, that's the guy who turned on the light at five. How are you doing that? And then, yeah. they, and then they tell you that they'd walked from Russia or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you've been doing this for this long and no one's talked to you about it, huh? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah I, well, that's one of those things, isn't it? You're not always necessarily enlightened. Yes, absolutely. There, there's um, a fair degree of just kind of grit and, you know, it, it's not all flowers. <laughs> well, you, yeah. you, well, your second thing we learned from the Camino is you'll hate walking. Yeah. And, and the me right now is thinking, oh, but I want to walk so badly right now. But no, sometimes you, you don't want to do that at all. Uh, and I think that's the point. Um yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's funny ahead. because you say the last five kilometers of a day, you'll curse your shoes, the rocks, the world, and your non-existent, long-lost, wealthy uncle. <laughs> and the outburst <laughs> of anger magically dissipates once you stop walking and sit with friends around the dinner table. Because it's remarkable, and, and I've spoken here before about the rejuvenating uh, value of that shower. Yes, yes, especially if it's not a push-button shower. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Those, yeah, I forgot about the push-button showers. And you, oh, I'll and, never... and you say, like, forgetting the pains of childbirth, you wake up the next day with smiles and do it all over again. So we hate yeah. walking, but we don't really hate it, do we? Yeah, there, there's, uh, there's something going on there. Yeah, um, we get up and do it again every time. No looking back. Did uh, you? Did you, as it... As it grew, as as you progressed through the Camino, Rachel, did you come to almost love that anger, though, and that discomfort? I think so. Um, you know, I you know, I just mentioned that you know my my two year anniversary came up, and you know, sometimes Facebook posts those little pictures or whatever, and I I had posted a picture of of my feet, and and we'll we'll get to that. There's the thing about my feet, but you know, I took a picture of my feet. There, my toenails are black. You know, I've got bandages all over, and just felt like this hurts, but I feel so much pride. I'm so proud of mm. myself doing this thing, and you know, and I shared it again. You know, there's um, <laughs> there's there's something. I don't know. Maybe it's like a concrete, maybe there's just so many things in life. It's just like, you know, I've done this hard thing and there's nothing concrete to show. And it's just like, look at my feet. Yeah. (laughs) Whenever I I interview someone, I ask them for a photograph for the front cover of the, of the podcast. And I I saw that photograph just this morning that, and that is amazing. Because you're so tanned and the straps of the of the sandals, because you mentioned before you walked in sandals, that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty wild photograph. I mean, it really sums up how hard it is. Yeah, and just the sun. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that picture of my nasty feet. Um, 
You say, number three, your new favourite meal of the day will be second breakfast. You eat five meals a day and still wonder why you're not losing weight. Hello, it's Spain, right? Yeah, I, and I don't know who told me I'd lose weight. I, I'm not, I don't care about losing weight. I actually think I, I gained weight because you just get so much muscle. But um, I was I was eating constantly. <laughs> um, and, I, yeah, I, I, I missed that, I guess. Um, and... When you, when we'll get to food a little bit later, because you make a very funny line um, uh, in one of the uh, one of your your next couple of, of truths that we learned about the the Camino. But when you're with people who get up early and charge off for the day, there's this sense, isn't there, and, and a real urgency. I've got to get going because I'm going to miss out. Uh, and so you're not eating breakfast in the morning. So by mid morning, when they when you sit down with all that great food or early morning. It's irresistible, isn't it? And the coffee. Oh, yeah. And the orange juice. Can we talk about that bright orange, orange juice of the likes of which I've never seen since? So just perfect. I don't, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I forgot yeah. about the orange juice. Well, they put the whole orange in the machine and out comes this magic, like bright, fluorescent, glowing <laughs> orange juice. Um, yeah. That, that was always the ritual. Your new favorite meal, second breakfast. So you'll have a goal, number four, you'll have a goal to keep all of your toenails. Yes. How much did you walk before you left, Rachel? Um, not very much. Like I said, I didn't really train at all. Um, I mean, and I mean like really at all. I think um, a month before we left India to go to Spain, I considered taking the stairs a few more times in the elevator and that was the extent of my training. <laughs> Um, very much just showed up. So, well, that, that, that might be then why you perhaps had trouble with your feet. Yes, yes, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I once read that somebody was asked on the Camino forum, "Did you train?" And they said, "Yeah, I've been drinking heaps of red wine and eating tapas nearly every night." <laughs> yeah. Which leads me to my your next truth. Vino Tinto and Café Con Leash will fuel you. Wine and coffee in the tank is very handy. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of my favorite days was when we came on that fountain. And I don't, I don't even remember what city was in, but it was the, the free wine fountain. <laughs> you know, everyone is, you know, up there filling up their water bottles. And just, um, yeah, I think that's kind of the unspoken um, you know, diet, you will, you eat a lot of, uh, bread and a lot of cheese and a lot of sausage and you'll wash it all down with the wine and the coffee. And the coffee is surprisingly good. Yeah. The little guys, I don't actually mm. drink coffee, but all, everyone in my group was, um, was down in that stuff and, uh, making, always made comments that, you know, it really just doesn't hold up to American standards. Um, or, or rather the reverse of that. You say, um, you say here, and I love this. Rachel, I require a pre-walk coffee to hike my first, to, to hike to my first real coffee, so I can get to the next coffee after that. And to reward myself, I drink up the bottles of cheap wine with friends and talk off hangovers the next day in a few hours. Though, provided I have my coffee. Yes, I think everybody does that. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of the, the sample of <laughs> uh, what I saw. <laughs> now, number six, come on. You'll be in denial when you lose control of your bladder, <laughs> Rachel. 
There's stories here. I don't know how much detail we should go in here, though. You need to be through this one. <laughs> having a, you talk about having a Camino bladder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any Camino bladder stories? Well, I'm a bloke. Oh, that's true. Oh, how sexist and awful. Yeah, um, it's easy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I think I peed myself at least twice. Uh, <laughs> and really have nothing to say totally excusable just uh yeah it happens i guess but the point <laughs> needs to be made that there are not very many uh facilities along the way are there no no and i think that's something long term they kind of need to think through uh, a plan yeah there there's a lot of running off the path you will know how urgent it is when you see someone by how quickly they are sprinting um and, and the degree of the emergency but uh, <laughs> everyone knows that run <laughs> and sometimes don't make it and yeah. wow <laughs> and there you go you you'll be in denial when you lose control of your bladder let's exactly. go to seven quickly while we're on a theme we're on a roll here you'll start yeah. stealing toilet paper yes i'm guilty of this i am guilty of this um yeah and it's funny i i think um this one's got one of those comment sections. I try not to read comment sections because they're usually so vile. But um, I think there was one guy who said, so you're the one who stole the toilet paper in the hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Finally, Rachel, you'll be, you'll be cast, they'll be casting stones at you for years. But then, of course, yeah. none of them would have ever been the first sinner. You'll be completely <laughs> obsessed with your feet is number eight. And you are. Yes. But probably rightly yeah. so, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's similar to, you know, you do talk about the weather, but it's really, how are your feet doing? You know, that's that's like asking, you know, oh, well, tell me about your children. Tell me about your well-being. And, you know, that's, your feet are everything. If your feet aren't doing well, you're going to have a bad day. So. And yet, from somebody who didn't do a lot of training, you probably, were you surprised how much you were going to be relying on your feet? despite the fact that you were heading off to walk right the width of Spain? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of grateful I didn't – I don't think I really thought about it really at all. I think I just kind of thought, oh, you know, it's walking. It's not like I'm running a marathon. It's not going to be that hard. Um, and I'm so glad I didn't know <laughs> because I don't know I don't know if I would have gone through with it, but I'm so glad I did. Yeah, that's a good point. You, you say you name some people name their blisters things like Thor and Spartacus, this and you're is hoping, real name. yeah, and you're hoping <laughs> they're having a, a, a horrible day. Foot selfies are also a thing, and you talked about that before. Yes, yes, many. Uh, I, I've got loads of, of feet pictures from myself and from my group somewhere in my in my computer realms. So, you talk yeah. about the movie The Way, Rachel, and and how. A lot of people, and indeed the vast majority of people who you meet along the way, will have, mm -hmm. will have watched it and will have told you about the impact it had on their lives and indeed the motivation it, it provided in, in getting them all the way to Spain. I wanted to ask, what is the perspective, an American's perspective on that film? Yeah, I don't know if I can speak for all America. That's a dangerous thing to do these days. Yeah, sure, <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> um, that's a, um, because he's grumpy, and yeah. and she's kind of surly, and the, the the sort of you know he takes some swaying 
to to be convinced of the the energy of the journey in a sense and i wonder is you know is that kind of typical of americans that are they are they a bit hard to convince are they a little cynical uh, are they a little skeptical yeah you know i wouldn't say it's cynical and i wouldn't call it skeptical but i do think we have a very puritan work ethic and it's it's pretty un-american to take you know even more than a week off of work to do anything like this. Um, but yet, you know, I, I, of every, of all the travels I've done, um, and, you know, even this year long trip I took, everyone is very interested in the Camino. Um, and I do think there is something that speaks, um, maybe to Americans, especially who feel like, um, you know, maybe a little bit stuck sometimes, but I, I've, I've had a lot of pushback from a lot of my travels, but even, you know, my most homebody of of relatives and friends have been very interested in this. And on some level, I've been wondering, oh, well, maybe I could do that. Some more serious than others, but I hold out hope. (laughs) Yeah. I I walked with um, a couple of young guys, Americans from San Diego. Absolutely Mm -hmm. delightful human beings. Just fantastic guys. And we... We got along famously, and they were they were kind of Camino family where you wouldn't see them for three days, be walking through a town and hear Dan, you know, and and oh, that, that's it, <laughs> you know. And they were yeah. very they were they were very gracious in as much as there were times there when I was kind of doing it tough, and so they would sort of just listen. Yeah. And and I, and I was I remember one night we we'd had a few beers and 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 I was saying, you know what I like about you guys, you're not kind of typical Americans because you're listening rather than talking, and they were laughing. Saying is that the is that the, the 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 image that we portray around the world? Is that what Australians think of us? And I said, well, you, you'd have to admit you do have kind of a reputation for that kind of behaviour. And they laughed. They thought it was really funny, and they appreciated the fact that I, I could see that not perhaps not all Americans are like that. Uh, and we yeah. got, and we got a, we really had a great relationship, and, and indeed still keep in contact today. Would that be a fair enough thing to say? Yeah, yeah, and you know even. Um, even, you know, three days into Camino, one of my, fr- my good friends that I met there, um, you know, asked me, she was very hesitant. She, she was a German. She's like, are you proud to be an American? And I kind of asked her, you know, with the equal amount of reluctance, are you proud to be German? You know, so I think, I think we all carry, you know, the history and stereotypes and many things with us. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things about the Camino is you do have a chance to engage with, you know, so many people from different backgrounds and kind of shatter some of those um you know sometimes reinforced but you know it's just it's a really remarkable opportunity to get to know people from other contexts yeah and uh, and i think also the fact that you are a pilgrim and nothing else strips yeah. strips away all those preconceptions uh yeah. it doesn't matter who you are what you do or anything else you, yeah it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer or a doctor or a janitor you know those things don't matter we just have time for the long story and and life and yeah um We'll have an next appointment. You're the appointment. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's that's just totally liberating. Something that you don't necessarily get anywhere else. Yeah, and I we, agree. you talk about you talked about the work ethic, Americans' work ethic. It's yeah. inter- interesting then that number ten you talk about people and pilgrims not necessarily getting the parable of the laborers, and that is uh, <laughs> where no matter how long or hard a, a, a believer works during their lifetime, the reward of the reward, if you like, of eternal life is the same given to all. And you say, in terms of pilgrims, that's not fair. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, it, it's interesting. And, 
you know, you do find, especially at the end, some people kind of get into their cohorts of, you know, well, I've been walking 10 days. Well, I've been walking, you know, 107 days. And, um, you know, it, it's it's sometimes hard to resist, I think, that very, like, human impulse of, like, oh, well, I've been doing it longer, and you have a tour company, and you're shipping your bag, and, you know, so, therefore, my Camino is more valid than yours, but, um, but you know, I, it, that's maybe, like, the ultimate goal is to kind of see past that and, you know, recognize everyone's getting something out of this and how great that they're just doing it. Um, I, I, it's easier to say now, you know, sometimes people would just pass me and I'd just, I'd be like, well, they're fresh. They're sprightly and fresh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a constant, constant tension there. Yeah, yeah. And I think everybody has their reasons. Who are we to know and who are we to judge? That's why I, that's the way I looked at it. And, you know, once I kind of got that out of my head, it was just so much easier. Not to, yeah. worry, not to worry about anybody else. I'm just mind my own business and everybody else. Yeah. No one wants to know, you know, oh, I'm walking. How many Ks have you walked today? You know, it's just like, no, like you're, you're missing the point. Um, you know, if you start thinking that way, you're missing the point. So. <laughs> now, number 11, you might die if you ever have to eat another bocadillo. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, I still don't know if I can eat these without getting a little grossed out. <laughs> Is that your experience? <laughs> Well, I, can I tell you, I left my food behind when I left Samos. I had a little pack with me each day. And I had to wait all the way to Saria to eat. And that, when I got there, was the greatest bocadillo I've ever had, or will ever have. I washed it down with a cold beer and I said, you know what? I'm not walking any further today. I'm staying right here. I, had, I was supposed to walk for another two hours. I said, no, I'm going to wait here and have another one of those sandwiches for dinner. But you say, if you ever have to eat another one, you'll die. Yeah, you know, there were there were some days where, you know, I, I I was done that and, you know, the tortilla, although I I did, I did like that one more, I think, but especially I think, um, you know, I'm used to having more of a, a squishy bread on the inside. And this was just, you know, rock hard bread. And like I said, I think I said in this post, like, I can give you slivers, I got a sliver once for my bocadilla. And um, that's not normal for me. <laughs> and not how I generally like my sandwiches. So. <laughs> Hey, what about the passport, your your credential? You say you'll love collecting stamps and your pilgrim's credential more than your actual passport. Yeah. That's really um, true. Because I've framed so my credential on the wall over here. I'm in the very room with my credential. And in fact, I had to buy one of those three-dimensional frames because I wanted to make sure you could see all of them. Yeah. Um, so they're just so beautiful and customized and you know, not near as cool as whatever you get when you walk through whatever country, or just the date and, you know, whatever. I hope to go back in September, God willing, this year. Oh, And I've great. just bought a little tiny parlor guitar, Rachel, and, oh. and I'm going to get my stamps on the guitar. There you go. That is an excellent idea. Yeah. I so love it. We'll be able I, to see I, how it comes off. I hope it does. God willing, I'll be there, but I've got a lot of walking to do between now and then. Yeah, you're going to actually train. I recommend it. Yeah. Number 13, you say you'll draft angry letters in your head to send to John Brearley. He writes yes. the guidebook, right? The number one guidebook. Yes, the most popular one you will see, yes. And you say you criticised his over-sentimentality on uncharted steep sections of the trail. That's, you know what? A lot of people say that. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, it's one of those things, maybe it's kind of like autocorrect on your phone, you know, you don't really notice when it's working well, but when it's not working, it's really not working and you're really upset about it. Um, 
there were a few days where, you know, it's like, oh, good, it's going to be a flat day. And it was not a flat day. And uh, that those expectations were really difficult to swallow. But um, yeah, it, some interesting, some interesting things going on in that book. But um, one day I should I should draft a kind letter to John Briley thanking him for <laughs> at least a somewhat roadmap for me to follow. <laughs> But, yeah, there it is. <gasps> it's, it's what I found as well, Rachel, was that some people read it differently than others. Um, at, even oh, really? at the same, yeah, even at the same table, they'd be saying, no, yeah. no, 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 that's, no, that's, that's the, the, the tourist way. Oh, no, you mustn't go that way. And then it was just, it was just, <laughs> I, I know, it was interpretive in my view. Uh, I didn't really rely on it too much. I just thought, well, I feel like walking mm-hmm. 30 cases today. I'll see where it takes me. So I feel yeah. like walking 15 tomorrow and I'll, and I'll see how I go. You say, number 14, you'll get defensive if people call it a vacation. Well, it's certainly not that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think what I said is, you know, when I think vacation, I think relaxing on a beach with cool boys peeling grapes for you. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and um, yeah, you know, and, and maybe that does come a little bit from, you know, my American connections and just, you know, oh, you know, if only I could have fun. I wish I could take off you know that much amount of time and you know thinking of it like a vacation really it feels it's it's a lot of work (laughs) it's a different kind of work but it's a lot of work and it's a lot of emotional work and um it feels like a pilgrimage um whatever your purpose is it doesn't feel like sitting on a beach um and but it's so much more meaningful it's just yeah i I don't know why i got so defensive about that but 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 in saying that i think that knowing all you have to do the next day is walk is mm-hmm. is incredibly um well it's it's it frees you up so much it's 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 such a great blessing to be able to say well i don't i don't have to answer emails i don't have to ring people i don't have to organize anything i just simply look after myself and get up and walk there's great yeah. freedom in that and in and in many ways yeah. in a sense that is a kind of vacating isn't it yeah i yeah i i think that's i think that's true it, it is you know a vacating of you know all the noise that we have in life and you you must you have to think you can't avoid thinking and um i think sometimes our busy schedules can help us avoid thinking and asking hard questions about ourselves about others about our relationships and um yeah so it feels hard but you're right it is a luxury it is it is a luxury in many ways now, why do we get excited when we see rustic, uh, red plastic chairs in the distance? Um, yeah, the, you know, they're either red or green, and that's when, you know, maybe it wasn't second breakfast, but maybe it was lunch <laughs> and lunch um, were, were on the way. You know, it's it's a mile marker. It's um, Happy hour. I just, yeah, and you just, I, yeah, I can't even inhabit my body and how much I enjoyed food when I was walking that much. It just meant everything. Just get me to food. Um, and so it, it was always a great banner to see those. Did you sleep mainly in albergues? Yes. Yeah, definitely. And so you're on your honeymoon and you're sleeping in bunks. Oh, yeah. We, we've been doing that for a while. We were definitely on the budget. <laughs> um, but... You know, I wouldn't have it any other way. It wasn't maybe so romantic, but you you meet so many people. And, you know, the people that I met are are my lifelong friends. I just hosted, you know, some friends a month ago that I met. I flew out to Sweden to see a friend last year. You know, it's um, you wouldn't have had that experience, I don't think, if I wouldn't have stayed in the albergues. Yeah, yeah. 
That's so true. So in number 16, you, you say you'll sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat in Rounds featuring several different language. And you say you managed to resurrect nursery rhymes and childhood songs that you hadn't sung since you were five just to pass the time. Nonsense singing is contagious and apparently crosses language barriers. How true is that? I'm so glad that's a universal experience. I <laughs> thought maybe that was one day, one strange group of people. But yeah, um, sometimes, you know, it's 15 miles, kilometers, whatever, and it's raining all day. And you have nothing to do but sing and pass the time. And so you, it is those nursery rhymes that you find you have in common. <laughs> So, and YouTube videos, and, and YouTube videos. And what is it about, it must be the rhythm of walking that prompts people to sing. I certainly sang, I sang a lot. Um, yeah. And 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 it, it must be the rhythm of the walking or something, or, or perhaps it's it's the exhilaration of the soul or something. I don't know, but people sing a lot, don't they? You quite often yeah. come, come across people who are just walking along on their own singing. In fact, that quite yeah. often was me. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, you know, coming from my Mormon background, um, kind of the history of my community is kind of exiled from the main U.S. and kind of walk west when it wasn't the U.S. at that time. And um, so basically kind of did their own pilgrimage, walked across the country. And we have this this child song about um, how they sang as they walked and walked and walked. And I thought, no, they're not. They're not singing. That would be horrible. But, you know, I, I think I get it a little bit more now. So. Yeah, I wonder what that is. I might look into that a bit deeper because it is something now that I've just read that line of yours that it it was very common to come across groups of people singing. Yeah, yeah. And indeed, it's a, it's, a, it's a something that you do after dinner, isn't it, as well? Yeah, we're singing all the time and it gets funnier and funnier. <laughs> uh, as funny as people are drinking more and more, but... Yeah, um, I still get music video links, you know, from people in my group of, oh, you remember this song? <laughs> and, you know, lots of Celine Dion, you know, just, you know, yeah, it's, that's something. Unpack that and get back to me. Let me know what you find. Hey, I will. I will. I like it. Now, number 17, you've said you'll lose your empathy for people suffering from sleep apnea. Yeah. It's Did you night- have any? It's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it sounds like people are being smothered all night long in their sleep. (laughs) I've never encountered anyone who had that, you know, um, but you you will absolutely not sleep at all if you have someone with sleep apnea in your room. And so I took, and I know a lot of people do take uh, earplugs and there were were nights when I thought, I mean, I didn't get any sleep at all. and, And I thought... I mean, how on earth does that person live with somebody? They must they must live alone. They couldn't live in even an apartment block. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, and, you know, I did, you know, there was one time where, you know, there was a woman who had sleep apnea and she had, you know, some kind of a device. She was managing it and it was fine. But, you know, there were other times where um, I think I mentioned, you know, we called this, this one particular gentleman, Vlad the Inhaler, uh, <laughs> And, you know, as, as my dear friend Hal said, you know, someone said, oh, did you sleep in with, you know, were you in the same room sleeping with that guy? And he said, I did not sleep in the room with that guy. And <laughs> I understand what that meant. <laughs> yeah, well, it's certainly something in if you're listening to this podcast and you're yet to walk and you're planning, it's worth investing in some good earplugs because it can yeah. make all the difference in the world. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and I know for, for in my case, uh, there were many afternoons when I would have my shower, wash my clothes, and then go and have a sleep because mm-hmm. I hadn't I hadn't slept the night before. I was physically physically exhausted, but also just drained because I hadn't had nearly enough sleep the night before. So it can really play havoc with your with your with your whole routine and everything. You really need to manage it, and, and one of the best ways to do so mm-hmm. is is good quality um, earplugs. I agree. I second that. Now, you yeah. say number 18, Rachel, it'll be all fun and games until someone closes the window. What's with that? Yeah. You know, I'm still making making meaning of that. I, there's there's something with, um, I think, the Eastern Europeans or the Western Europeans. I'm not sure. There's, there's some like you will get sick if you get a draft. There's some you will get sick if you don't have a draft and fresh air and... Um, you know, everyone was, you know, very chummy and happy until, you know, night fell and there was closing and opening of windows. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> you, say, you say here in this blog, closings, banging, slammings and shouting matches between the largely northern and southern European sides of this age long debate. Yeah, that feels that feels true. <laughs> it's just like the well, it's the earphones thing again and the sleep apnea. Once it starts, you know. And often, as you would know, you find yourself drifting off to sleep and you think, oh, fantastic, I can kind of get some sleep. And then once, the, once all the action starts, you know, I'm not going to get any sleep and it just fuels itself. It's true. It's true. You know, this is a, this is a nightlong battle. But for the record, the window should be open. I want that on the record. So. <laughs> there you go. Now, number 19, you might need therapy after experiencing the masetta. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, context for people who maybe not knowing, um, Maseta is basically a week long, totally flat, nothing to look at, but a lot of waving grass section of the Camino um, that a lot of people skip over. Um, we actually had some people in our in our group who, you know, took the train and they're like, see ya, meet ya in the next, next you know, civilization. <laughs> um, but... You know, and, and because I am writing a memoir right now and I'm thinking kind of through some of these turning points, I found that to be the most psychologically grueling part of the Camino for me. And I'm I'm grateful for it now. But um, there were there were some moments where I thought I am actually going crazy. I'm actually going crazy. I've seen this before. Um, but of course, I, you know, I wasn't. It just all looked the same. Big skies. I mean, huge skies. And, and, and so much time to think is really dangerous, I think. But when you get to the end, um, it's, it's just so worth it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, like I said, I feel like, um, you know, so, so it's a kind of like a microcosm of a story of just kind of like you always have to have this really challenging part. And, you know, by this point, you're a little bit stronger. You know, I've broken in my, my feet, but... Um, this was a different kind of challenge, and so it was kind of like leveling up. I'm I'm really glad that I I made it through that part, and glad that I did it and didn't skip it. Number twenty, I think is is my favorite. I loved all of nineteen before it because you took an irreverent look at the Camino, mm-hmm. and really you I think tongue in cheek. But number mm-hmm. twenty, number twenty, you bring it all back home because you say. The 20th thing that you learned about the Camino was you'll be in total awe of people. Yeah. 
So, yeah. so at the end of all of this hardship and and struggle and discomfort mm-hmm. and, and anger, you're not always happy with the people you're with and, and what you're going through. You still managed, Rachel, to be in awe of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think everyone's got their down days and everyone's got their, you know, their good days. But, um, I, you know, you just, you see people's true colors and, and often it's just absolutely, it just like, it makes you want to cry. People are just so good. And I think sometimes it's so hard to remember that sometimes, you know, especially in, you know, today and watching the news and, you know, but so, I mean, countless instances of, uh, of, you know, people going the extra mile, helping someone, um, even the small things, you know, even just something as simple as like a hand squeeze after a hard day it can just like, wow, like people care about each other. Um, I, yeah, I'm not really quite sure how to capture it, but, but yeah, that's, that is, I think my final takeaway. And, and, you know, those relationships, um, are, are a significant piece of, of the Camino and why it was so important to me. And in, in, interestingly, you say those who may or may not uh, realize that they are Camino angels. So that squeeze of the hand that you just think, I'll, I'll just reassure that person who's done it tough today, you may not realize what you're giving to them. Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, you don't know. And so much of the Camino, it does feel very internal. And so you don't, I mean, what, one of the best things about the Camino is people have time to tell that longer story. And sometimes you do get more of that context. You know, the pretext is, why, why are you really here? You know, you have time for that. But you know, you don't know what people are thinking. You don't know how they're suffering. And so, um, yeah, but I, I, I am just incredibly grateful for the people who got me through and, you know, on my hard days and, and just to be a witness of that. I, I feel very lucky. Would you consider it a life-changing experience? Absolutely. Um, you know, when people ask, you know, oh, it's, now, what's something you're most proud of or blah, blah, blah? You know, the Camino always comes to mind. And I think, like I said, I've had a lot of, of really, um, really interesting travel experiences. I feel really lucky and privileged in that way. But um, the, the Camino feels like it's an entirely different animal. It, it just, um, it, it really does haunt me. It, it just, it was such a remarkable experience and I, and I hope I get to do one again soon. Well, that was my next question. You mentioned there you're writing a memoir. Are you writing a book? I am. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's a work in progress, but yeah, I am. And so do you think you'll go back? I, I do. I think, you know, I had such a good go the first time. It's kind of hard for me to, to think, oh, what would that look like? Although it, within my, my group of people who became good friends, it was, for many of them, it was their second. Um, and so I, I, you know, I know it's just, it, it's a gift that just keeps on giving. I think I would be really interested in maybe the, the North route. I did the French way um, or even starting in Porto, um, you know, but, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something. And, and, you know, same for my husband, when we think back, you know, to um, what were the most meaningful experiences we had on this remarkable honeymoon that, that always comes to the top of the list. And it's also the thing that people ask about the most. There's something, there's something powerful about it. Yeah, we can't quite put our finger on it, but we have all experienced it. Thank you so much for your time, Rachel, and your honesty and the sharing of your story with us. You've summed it up, I think, as I said, irreverently, but brilliantly. 
there's an honesty there, but there's also a realization that it's had a big impact on your life as it has in in my life and, and many of my listeners' lives. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. I, I always love talking about it. It's, it's always fun to meet a fellow pilgrim. So thank you. Yeah, indeed it is. We'll continue to read and enjoy your writing and photography. The photographs are beautiful, by the way, via rachelrucket.com. And Rachel's blog, which is totally fantastic, is deliberatewanderer.com. Thanks, Rachel, and buen camino. Thank you. I appreciate that, Dan. Take care, everyone. Bye now. That's all we have time for. I'm off to find a long roll with salami, tomato and cheese. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins, Buen Camino. (laughs) 